2014. This is the Hermetic Hour. I'm your host, Polk Runyon, and tonight we present a panel discussion on the 22nd path of the Tree of Life, and that leads from Tipperith to Gaborah. The path is attributed to the astrological sign Libra, the scales of balance, and the tarot trump justice, and the Hebrew and Phoenician letters Lamed, both representing the ox goad, which has a remarkable symbolism relating to a biblical Canaanite mystery we will reveal for the first time. This path also ends up at the narrow bridge leading to the castle on the edge of the abyss. That's Kapura, of course. And again, we refer to John Michael Greer's Paths of Wisdom and Gareth Knight's Practical Guide to Cannibalistic Symbolism. Now, if you want to meet Osiris in the Great Hall of Judgment, remember, like Santa Claus, he has a list of who's been naughty and who's been nice. So be good, for goodness sake. Now, I said it would be a panel discussion because uh, I hope um, I hope uh, Frater Solomon calls in. Uh, in case, uh, Michael, in case you've uh, forgotten our, our guest call-in number, uh, it's 347-857-1830. Now, if anyone else would like to call in and uh, discuss this this path and um, or so, anything related to this path, uh, this is the guest call-in number, 347-857-1830. Now, to begin with, let's set the stage like we like we do in these pathworking broadcasts take a little time to set the stage so those that are just kind of catching up with us uh, can kind of get an idea of uh, what's going on where we're at and how we do it um this is in our way of uh, in our way of doing it this is a a working which starts out with Kusar's boat now, as I have described before, uh, Kusor's boat, or Tubal-Cain's boat, is um, a magical device based upon Phoenician Canaanite mythology in which uh, Tubal-Cain, Kusor uh, and Kassus, uh who is analogous and sometimes interchangeable with both Hermes of the Egyptians, the craftsman god, uh, Hephaestus and, and uh, Vulcan and whatever, the blacksmith god, um, the craftsman god, the engineer of the gods, so to speak. And he supposedly invented the fishing boat way, way back when when the Phoenicians were not quite ready to put to sea in a big way, but they were, they certainly were fishermen, and, and Kusor invented the fishing boat. And so what we have done is we have created a a flying boat. It's a little boat that is shaped like a like a bird, except the wings are folded along the forts and and half of it is black and half of it is white and uh it's 
black on the port side and white on the starboard side. And it has a, uh, a beak like an ibis, so it looks like it could be called an ibis boat. It has a cockpit, and it has a compass, and it has a rudder, and it has everything a boat needs, plus uh, a couple of uh, little platforms on the on the, the forts uh, for candles for the, the color of the particular sphere that we're heading for. Uh, and we light those candles, put the boat on the altar, and we uh, get into the um, the boat uh, using the power of our imagination, and we sail through the cell door or the dark mirror, and off we go uh, to fly over the paths we have already walked. That's the purpose of Christopher's boat is to is so we don't have to navigate the whole tree again from from the Temple of Malkuth bottom, and this will take us over that which we have already covered, and we'll land at the base of the the path, the upper path that we're going to try and trod on, and then we'll pick up the boat on the way back. Uh, it's a beautiful device, and and you can see this. Uh, this device, uh, if you are associate member and you have our pathworking video, um, you can see this device pictured. Now, we would, in this case, we would fly Kusor's boat up to Tipereth, and we would, in this case, land past the pyramid in Tipereth, and we would... Uh, that's the pyramid of transformation and sacrifice and whatever. And we would then embark on foot taking the path 22, uh, the path of justice, uh, and walking our way up to Gaborah, meeting the requirements of the path. Now, uh, I want to read to you here all of the different um, basic attributes and, and all of this path as set forth in in John Greer's uh, Paths of Wisdom. This will get us uh, oriented here. Path 22, the path of Lamed. The letter of the path is Lamed, and it represents the ox code. And as I said, it represents the ox code both in Hebrew and in earlier Phoenician. Now, the name of God is YHVH, or the Tetragrammaton. That's the name of, of God applied to the path. The astrological correspondence is Libra, the scales. The tarot correspondence is, is Trump um, 11, Justice. The esoteric title is the daughter of the lords of truth, and the holder of the balances. On the path text is the 22nd path is the faithful intelligence and is so-called because by it spiritual virtues are increased and all dwellers on earth are yearly under its shadow. Pathological principle is the justice of heaven. The experiences of the path, narrow bridges and pathways, guarded gates and other barriers, images of duality and division, visions of past lives and their influence, trial before non-human judges, entities of the path, angels, people from the past, past lives, gate guardians, 
Magical image, an arch of emerald green bearing the letter Lamed in brilliant white upon its keystone. The door in the arch bears the image of a tarot trump. Colors in Azuluth, emerald green and brilliant blue, in Yazira, deep blue green, and in Ashia, pale green. Now, that's the, the general gist of it. But let me make a few observations about that about these correspondences in relation to uh, the path as we know it and the sphere it goes to. The narrow bridge. Now, the way we conceive of Gaburim is that it is a castle on a pinnacle of rock that is out on the edge of the abyss. That's the abyss between uh, between the... Uh, the top three spheres of the tree and those beneath it, which some people interpret as the, the uh, abyss between uh, the Briatic dimension and uh, the Azuric dimension, although that's an oversimplification. Um, but this is, of course, uh, going from uh, the castle of Gabura on up, you would take the path of the chariot, and that would be on up to to be not. Now, that bridge spans a, a chasm. It leads out from the edge of a cliff, the chasm, out to the castle on the pinnacle of rock. And the castle, of course, is the castle of Gabura. It's a very much of a fortress, and it is ruled by the goddess of war, Anath who we dealt with last week, if I recall, and her attributes and, and her and what she uh, has to impart to you and also what she has to give you. Now, Anath is uh, uh, the presage of Astarte. She is the warrior goddess of, of the Canaanites and the Phoenicians. And uh, back in the times before Solomon, uh, the era of the judges of Israel, we're going to get into that a little bit. But one thing I want to make clear again before we get any further is that that path workings can, in some instances, you know, not not with us, but I mean with, with other people with path workings, uh, they can get too wrapped up in the symbolism of the path and forget about the sphere. Now, we don't do that. Our, our, when we do a path working, we, use, we take the path and we master the obstacles and learn the lessons on the path, but, but then we enter the sphere and we have the most significant experiences in the sphere itself. Now, the reason why we do this is because, uh, for one thing, we are aware that there was far too much emphasis placed on the paths and not enough emphasis placed on the spheres in uh, the Golden Dawn system. And one of the reasons for that was is that um, Elephus Levy, who was a tremendous influence on, on the Golden Dawn, Elephus Levy actually believed that the, uh, the tarot, especially the trumps, preceded the Kabbalah. He thought the Tree of Life, the, the, the Kabbalah, the uh, the the grand old Kabbalah of the Zohar and, and even uh, the Sefer Yezirah, that, that 
was derived originally from the tarot trunks. Oh boy. Well we know we know that isn't true and, and but that's what he believed. Elephant's Levy was quite a romantic. And so uh, that carried through. I mean this 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 idea of Elephant's Levy is carried through and and so there is uh, and he was the one of course who originally applied the tarot uh, to the tree of life to the Kabbalah. And before Levy, uh, that was uh, really just beginning to get at the yellow of the summer. We're just beginning to get an idea of, 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 of matching up the Kabbalah. But but Levy went ahead and got the bit in his teeth, and he put he's the one who put the tarot cards on the paths and linked them up to the astrological signs and the, and the planets and the elements and the letters of the Hebrew alphabet and created the structure. In the course of doing that, so much of the operative operative symbolism uh, was uh, given to the paths and, uh, and the spheres they went to became passive and the paths became active. Now, I... Uh, I don't think that this is a, a balanced system. <laughs> it's not a balanced way to do it. So always, whenever we do a path working uh, in the OTA, we, we always, and in the ORC, we always, always have our supreme experience in the path working will be in the sphere itself. I want you to remember that now. Um, so this path of Lamed, this, this 22nd path, is going to lead us Right to that bridge, the same the same bridge that we that we went on uh, the path of the hangman, coming up from from Hod. Same 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 bridge. We're gonna get to the same spot. We're just gonna take a different different direction, uh, walking up to the same spot. But it's gonna be the same bridge. And interestingly enough, uh, oh, this is not John Michael Greer symbolism at all. But 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 he's mentioning see. Experiences of the path, narrow bridges. Oh boy! And this is a narrow bridge, and it has a um, uh, bridge leading over there. Has no rails. It's narrow. It's a bottomless chasm on either side, and you are going to have to. You're going to have to. It's like Little John and Robin Hood, you know, meeting in the middle of this bridge with the guardian. So you have that to to worry about or look forward to or whatever. Uh, that's part of both both uh, the path of the hangman leading on up 23rd and this path coming across from Tiberef the 22nd. Uh, now, we mentioned that uh, in the abstract that uh, we were going to uh, take you on a journey to Osiris's uh, Hall of Judgment. Well, yep, we're going to have to because that's part of what this path represents. That's part of part of it. And by the way, in the Golden Dawn, on the pillars in the Golden Dawn Temple, you have the the hieroglyphic display and 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 the and the, and the uh, iconographic display of this Hall of Judgment from Egyptian mythology. And what this amounts to, and I'm just to do a little revealing here, by the way, uh, the Phoenicians and the Egyptians were had a lot of interchangeable 
interchangeable mythology and that their Egyptian gods and Phoenician gods were interacting with each other. That Kusar, who invented the fishing boat, is also almost interchangeable with both Hermes. In fact, at one point in Phoenician mythology, they they went down to went down to Egypt to get Kusar to bring him back uh, for, a, for a council of the gods. So uh, I'm not saying that that Osiris. And the Hall of Judgment is, is Phoenician mythology, but the Phoenicians were very familiar with it, and they probably even uh, incorporated aspects of it in the Phoenician mythology. Now, what it amounts to is this. Osiris, as you all know, uh, or should know, was murdered, stealthily murdered, by his, his evil brother, um, Set the Typhon monster, or whatever you want to call him, uh, he lured Osiris into this coffin and was going to give him this really fine coffin, and, and he wanted to see if it fit Osiris, and he got him in the coffin. Of course, he got him in the coffin, coffin and murdered him and smothered him to death and whatever. So then Osiris, instead of being resurrected like a year king, although he had some of those attributes, he's just sometimes pictured as green, but Instead of being resurrected uh, to come back with the with the spring planting or whatever, like like uh, Baal does, instead of instead of that, Osiris went up to the uh, well, what the Egyptian version of heaven. He went up to the uh, the, the, the to the outer world. I mean, to the the spiritual realm, and he there judged. The dead, when when uh, the spirits of the dead would come to the hall of judgment, Osiris would sit in judgment, and Anubis, of course, the god of death, would uh, would lead them into the hall of judgment. Now, if you had been good and moral and charitable and 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 uh, honest and true and all of that, then you would go on to the Egyptian uh, the Egyptian uh, counterpart to paradise, and if you were not, trap door opened and you dropped down into the pit and into the gullet of the crocodile, or up in some versions a monster, but you know quite often a crocodile. And this is probably where James Barry got the idea for the crocodile that followed Captain Hook along and on at the. The, the clock ticking in his belly, you know, that's probably where that came from. But but the important thing here is the scales. This is what relates this to this to the scale. You your soul and your deeds were judged against a feather. A feather on one side of the scale and and your 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 deeds and your sins and everything else on the other side. And if they were any heavier than that feather, you are in trouble. And it was crocodile time. Now, you can see that this is, is, is in a sense, spiritual justice. Now, the justice card, as it's pictured in most instances, especially in the white deck uh, or the case deck or whatever, you notice that that justice is female, sitting there holding her sword in front and, and the scales in one hand and the sword in the other. But in this tarot card, this is a point that, that uh, John Michael Greer makes, 
that in this tarot card, she's not blindfolded like we have in, in our version of the statue in Washington. This, in the tarot card, she's not blindfolded. Why? Because this is a spiritual judgment and uh, there's no, 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 there's no need to blindfold the judge in this case because the judge sees and knows. That's a very important point. Now, um, uh, let's let's uh, talk about this justice because it, essentially this this the, the main thing here is is the, the hall of justice and 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 Osiris and this this analogy of the spiritual of the spiritual nature of the judgment. Now, this is important for a number of reasons. Uh, and this is a point that most uh as well be asked Garrett Knight and John Mike McGuire both make make this point. That justice like evil is in the eye of the beholder. Justice like evil is subject to different interpretations. And what some people think is justice, other people think is is a terrible travesty of justice. Now, to give you an example uh, this is an example pretty close to home. Uh, we have in this country right now, today, we have a serious divide. And it's not just political, it's also spiritual. And the divide is between those who who believe in, uh, in a... The, 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 uh, the goodness and the necessity and the and the rightness of a complete welfare state, complete socialistic welfare state, and those who, uh, with equal fervor and equal righteous uh, feeling, believe in a in a free market, uh, um, laissez-faire capitalism. Um, and uh, the idea that, that uh, the greatest good for the greatest number will be achieved by by uh, complete freedom of action and and uh, uh, success and acquisition of property and all of that. And both of these positions look at justice in different ways, very different ways. And in fact, um, it is difficult for the political conservative and the political liberal, especially if they're if they're fervently committed on either side, it's difficult for them to understand how the mind of the other of the other one works. And some of the things that 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 uh, the the conservative thinks are are uh, are almost almost wholly sanctified rights. Uh, of the the human being uh, and and freedom and dignity and all the rest of this uh, and opportunity and all these things that that they think are are almost sanctified rights the the ultra liberal or the atheist thinks that they're terribly wrong and and, and they're even sinful Uh, so what's justice what's justice uh, the mind, you, you, you know, the, the mindset of, of 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 these people, the political, spiritual, and and everything else, 
Now, it doesn't do any good to remind some of these conservatives, these arch-conservatives, that Jesus preached what to some people seems like a form of communism. I mean, yeah, but and these people profess to be devout Christians, and and then the, the liberals, the liberals look at the look at devout Christians almost as if they were uh, somehow or other that was where they were deriving their their um, conservatism from, and 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 the whole thing is all twisted up. It's 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 what's justice? What is it? What's right? And you know, really. I'm not going to try to make a decision one way or the other on this, you know, in this broadcast, in this discussion. I'm not, because I know that I have friends who are who are left-wing liberals, and sometimes they exasperate me with some of their extremism. But I, but I realize that to them, this is this is this is moral. This is this is, uh, you know. It, 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 they really believe that this is the this is the right thing. This is this is moral. And I have friends who are arch conservatives and 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 and, and whatever. And some of their extremes are to me seem to be uh, just as, as as misplaced and as as wrong. But I also understand that they firmly believe that this is right. So what's the criteria? What's justice? Yeah, is where you have to look at this with eyes that are above your own personal prejudices. You have to you have to look and think that <coughs> that oh I got a call. Oh you're on the Hermetic Hour. Who am I talking with? You're on the Hermetic Hour. Who am I speaking with? Not gonna speak? Well breathe at me. Oh come on. <laughs> I guess he just wants to listen. <laughs> All right. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, he, uh, I don't want to offend either 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 end of the political spectrum here. I'm trying to be nice to both of you, but uh, but Stira, this this is something that cosmic cosmic consciousness. This is Ken Kesey talked about this rising up above above. Um, to the, the psychic center, what we would call the Hesed center, uh, up in the third eye area, where you could take a cosmic look at this. Uh, I remember Ken Kesey used to use an example of um, uh, how, how he he would he would uh, say, um, uh, as you go up the various centers, the boss fired Ken. All right, so <laughs> down there, down there in your son or something. <laughs> oh my God, the boss fired. Oh! He's panicking, and then he gets up. A, he gets up a little bit higher and up in the hut, and he and he says, "Oh, the boss fired me!" Oh, and he's mad. And when he gets up to Gaborah, but he's really furious. But then when he gets up to Hesed, now no, he didn't use these particular terms for the psychosanders, but he gets up there and he says, "Oh, the boss fired Ken." See, he's gotten he's gotten beyond his personal feelings. There, he's looking at this thing. From standpoint, sometimes it's good to use the analogy if you are a rational humanist rather than an occultist. And some of our occultists happen to be rational humanists too. Uh, it's good to take the Martian, the Martian perspective. Now, when I say that, I do not mean I do not mean 
a perspective of of Tarsarkus the Thark or Dejathoris or any. I'm not, that's not the Martians I'm talking about. I'm talking about a hypothetical Martian who is very advanced and and uh, looking at Earth people uh, as uh, from sort of a detached point of view and and thinking about or observing what we consider to be morality and what we consider to be um, uh, the moral issues and what we consider to be uh, the way we should feel about about uh, poverty and about uh, about um, uh, crime and about uh, uh, engrossment. By the way, that's an interesting word, engrossment. We don't use that word anymore. That's something to think about, isn't it? A wonderful word. I mean, or a terrible word, actually. It means cornering the market on an essential commodity and then jacking the price up. Uh, and it used to be back in the 18th, 19th century, early 19th century, uh, it was a crime and it was punishable by, uh, by well, back in, during the colonial times, it was punishable by pillory and ruin. Yeah. We don't even use the word anymore. Why? Because it's become, engrossment has become something nice. It's become something acceptable. Oh, yeah. Remember Enron? <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. And, and so, so the word's been eliminated from our language. Just like the word loan, the two words loan shark. You never hear that anymore. Those words have been taken out of the language. Why? Because the biggest banks in the country are charging what? They would have gone to jail for back when we used the term loan shark. That's why. So, what is justice? What is what is a crime for some? Is uh, is a rightful expression of freedom for others? Now, um, I said in the um, abstract preamble that we were going to deal with a a Biblical Canaanite mystery that relates to this path. For and we're going to reveal this for the first time. I think we probably are revealing this for the first time because I've never, I've read a lot of material on the tree of life and all the symbolism, and whatever. And I've never run across this analogy. But I want you to really, really kind of consider this in the Bible. The Bible, you know, in the Bible. Remember, he asked George Patton one time if he read the Bible, and he said, yeah, every goddamn day. But anyway, uh, so I'm not quite like Georgie. I don't read it every day, but I do read it. <laughs> uh, if if uh, General Dick, if you're listening. <laughs> but anyway, uh, now, in the Bible, in the book of Judges, which, of course, you know, uh, came along sometime before Samson, by the way. In the book of Judges, um, after Ahud, the judge Ahud, and by the way, uh, if you're interested in Ahud, and this is this fits right in with what we're talking about, Ahud was a judge of Israel, and that's, uh, let's see, what, what chapter is that, Ahud? Uh, he is uh, uh, Judges... Judges three, uh, and judges Judges three, and um, Ahud. 
uh, he brought a message of God to the uh, to the king of Moab, and uh, a message from God. And he got the king of Moab in in uh, to his private chamber to deliver this private message from God to him. And the king of Moab was a rather fat, pretty fat. And Judge Ahud, um, he he drew out the dagger from under his uh, real big dagger, and he plunged it into the uh, uh, king of Moab's tummy. And he, he was so fat, and the dagger was uh, got in, getting him all the way, and and he ended up well, he ended up kind of really messing up the king of Moab. And um, that was his message from God. And then he um, left him in there and locked up his summer house, left him in there and made his... Now, Ahud was a judge of Israel, and... Uh, and um... <laughs> so, what's justice? Okay, well, that's Ahud. But after Ahud, uh, there was a um, a judge, and I'll read it. This is 31, right right before the end of the chapter, in 30, chapter 3. And after him was Shamgar, the son of Anath, which slew of the Philistines 600 men with an ox goad, and he also delivered Israel. Okay. Shamgar, oh boy, I'm trying to get Friar Solomon to write an epic on Shamgar, sort of like uh, my Prince of Cotton, the magic bow, but, but because Shamgar was Canaanite, and he was Canaanite who, who became a, a, uh, a Jewish judge. And he was a son of Anath. Now, Anath is the Canaanite Phoenician warrior goddess who lives in the, in the palace, in the castle of Gaborah. Uh, and she was uh, quite a ferocious goddess. Uh, I used to wear a girdle of human hands and a necklace of human heads, very much like Kali. And she was also referred to as a virgin goddess. Well, she couldn't very well have had a son. But this is quite interesting because um, usually these these um, godlings, these godlings, these demigods, are sired by a male father who is a god, upon a female mother who is immortal. That's the way it usually happens. But in this case, Shamgar is the son of the warrior goddess, Anar. Oh, boy. Now, if you know very much about Anar from mythology and all, she's not... I don't see her... Yeah, yeah, she could, because Ishtar, you know, did that occasionally. And she is kind of an Ishtar cognate. But... In all probability, um, Shamgar was the daughter. I mean, I was, as was was the son of a of a priestess of Anath, who um, probably didn't want the the kid hanging around, and and uh, did like uh, like Sargon ended up, and then they you know Ezra and, and um, yeah, the Cyrus borrowed that borrowed that story and applied it to Moses, but Sargon got got put in the in a in a wicker basket and floated down the river. And uh, so probably in we're looking at this thing realistically, uh Shamgar was probably the the illegitimate um 
son of of a, a priestess, probably a high priestess of the Temple of the Moth. Now, he slays kind of a presage of Samson, but instead of using the jawbone of an ass, he uses an ox goad, which turns out to be the symbolism of the letter Lamed, which is attributed to this path. And um, and then, of course, Anat is the warrior goddess uh, of, uh, of Gaborah. And um, so this is... This is uh, in, uh, Really kind of, and, and Shamgar becomes a judge. So we're starting to hit all the bases here with uh, on this path with Shamgar. Now, um, let me talk about ox code a little bit. Uh, I think most of you kind of have an idea what an ox code looks like. It's kind of like a boat hook, except it's sharp. Both the hook is sharp and the point is sharp. And if this is made out of Hittite iron, which it probably was, this would be one fearsome weapon. And uh, so Shamgar, now 600 Philistines is a lot of Philistines. He, he must have had them, maybe, 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 he, he, maybe he got them all drunk. And Philistines had a way of doing that. He might have gotten them all drunk and, and, and you know, done like Grendel did with the, uh, with the Vikings, you know, and just wait till they were all drunk and then, then go in and and, uh, and do them in, but uh, anyway, the ox goat is the letter limit, and so we need we need to uh, look at the story of Shamgar and realize that here we have a real connection between Canaanite mythology and biblical mythology and uh, and justice. And all. So I think Shamgar and his ox code are definitely attributed to this path and should be a symbolism, part of the symbolism of it. Now, so we we have we have Osiris and his scales. And I might mention too that when it comes to scales, that down and down in Hod, Oh, we use the scales to get up to the library, sort of as an elevator. But there, what we're doing is we're we're balancing, we're taking the male and the female aspects of the individual person, and and personifying the uh, the opposite gender, the anima, animus, whatever, in order to uh, individuate the individual to get them up to the library so they can receive the knowledge. In there. So that's a little different. This is not a, that's not a scale of justice. Here on this path, we're dealing with scales of justice and whatever you know, whatever justice is. Uh, at one point, uh, you know, backtracking a little bit, we did a show. Uh, I think it was two years ago or more on the nature of evil. Of what is evil? And this goes along with our idea of justice. What's evil? What, you know, really, it's very, very hard to define evil, uh, especially when you get you get these skewed these skewed perspectives, like what you think is 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 um, uh, and according to whatever religious uh, philosophy you have, it, it, you, you get a different picture of evil depending upon what your what your philosophy and your religion is. Um, I give you an example. Uh, Last night I was reading, I have a great big fat book on 
Near Eastern uh, mythology and legends and, and all this kind of stuff, which I give myself to sleep with sometimes. And I ran across a story from the early Christians of Anatolia called Matthias and the Cannibals. Now, this is a story about a couple of Jesus' apostles. One of them is named Matthias, another one is named Andrew. And they are, Jesus wants Matthias to go to the land of the cannibals and try to, uh, to convert them to Christianity and get them away from cannibalism. And he's going to suffer all these terrible things, but he's going to have to endure them. And, uh, and, and then he, in his mission, well, how good! This is a very gruesome story. I mean, this 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 story is so gruesome, and and but by the time this story's done, Jesus himself, and well, poor Matthias doesn't do anything terrible except except get awfully tortured and miserable. He he doesn't he doesn't do anything really bad. But by the time this this story's over with, Jesus and 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 Andrew have committed so many atrocities and so many. Uh, savage, ruthless doings in order in their in their attempts to convert the cannibals that they're worse than the cannibals. And finally, they manage to convert the cannibals. But the only way they do is to convince the cannibals that they're more that they're more ruthless and more terrible than the cannibals are. But oh, this 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 is apparently in the fifth uh, century or something like this in the Anatolia. Uh, these Christians, they, they thought this was a wonderful story. What is evil? What is, what is, what is morality when you look at it from this perspective? What is? And that, that, these questions you, 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 have to, you have to ask is uh, like, like Harry Truman deciding to drop the bomb on the Japanese on Hiroshima. Was this evil? Well, oh, Harry thought so. Uh, you know, um, Harry was—he certainly was tough, and he—he he was. Uh, but he firmly believed that 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 this would save uh, many many Japanese and American lives. He might have been right. Uh, but of course, there's now there are uh, a lot of um, very ardent humanitarians who will try. You know, twisting or bending history or interpreting history to prove that he was wrong. And oh no, no, it wouldn't have shortened the war and all the rest of this kind of. So you don't know. You said was that evil? Uh, I don't know. I I, I I reserve judgment on that. But the bombing of Dresden, on the other hand, for no purpose whatsoever except just out just sheer gall and meanness to blow up a city that had no military significance whatsoever, uh, a city of, of art treasures and, 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 and peaceful people and, and, and whatever, and just completely incinerate it and burn it to the ground and blow it up. So was Bomber Harris evil? Yes, he was, and, and, and I, I, I think so, because there was no, no reason. He didn't accomplish anything at all except, except revenge for... Uh, <laughs> What revenge for what? Uh, and because the British started started bombing 
bombing Germany before Germany ever bombed the British. That's not generally known. But, you know, so this, this, this to me, this is an evil act. Uh, and yet, I don't know if people would disagree with me. What's evil? What's, what's, uh, what's wrong? I'll give me another, another example of difference of differences in, in um, perspective. Colonel North, uh, the um, the um, Marine Colonel who uh, was well, one of the architects of the RN and facilitators of the Iran Contra uh, operation, just uh, as a well, what you call black off, but but uh, Colonel North um, uh, volunteered to take on this this mission, go down there and do this, and his boss, uh, Poindexter, Admiral Poindexter, uh, said told him he said, you know, he said, Ollie, if you do this, if you take this mission on, he said, I know you're worried about your 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 wife and your kids. So he said, I will, out of my own pocket, I'll, I'll, I'll put in a, we'll, we'll put in a security system. We'll spend about 50000 bucks, and we'll, and we'll put a security system in your house, state-of-the-art, and protect your kids while you're gone. Don't worry about that. We'll take care of it. And that, you know, he pleased, pleased Colonel North, you know, obviously. So he takes off, and he does this thing. Well, now, the, you know, whatever you think about the Iran-Contra thing, it certainly has... Um, you know, wasn't the wasn't the the uh, the most um, uh, ethical and certainly if any kind of black op is ethically ethical. But I mean, it it it, it was on it was not ethical and it was it was very uh, um, controversial and all that. So he North North gets called on the carpet and uh, by Congress, and in the course of this. They actually tried to uh, these people that were against him. They actually tried to make it a part of a crime. This was a criminal act that he received this security system from Poindexter, uh, and this was a bribe. And they were going to actually charge him with this security system as, re- as receiving a bribe. What? I was absolutely flabbergasted. I could have, what, is, what kind of mental processes is this? Now, whatever North was guilty of with the with the Iron Contra thing, whatever he might have, you know, whatever. But but this is certainly not part of it. This this, I mean, good lord, this is a this is an American and Marine officer who's going out and doing it on a dangerous mission, and and his boss is offering out of his own pocket to put in a security system for his wife and his family, and then these people that are after North, and they think this is a crime? They think this is receiving a bribe? Where are their heads? Where are their hearts? To me, this is, this is but see, this is different different ways people look at things. And I, I say, well, for the life of me, I can't, I can't fathom that mindset at all. But, but uh, you know, and I can fathom the people who, who thinks Snowden was a was did the right thing? I, I can fathom that. I'm not sure he did, but I mean, but I can fathom it. I, I, I can understand it, but I can't understand this this thing. So it's different mindset. What's justice? What is justice? What's right? What's wrong? What's karma? And that's another aspect of this this path, very definitely. 
this is the path of karma. This is the path when you, where you have to start looking at karma. And then we have to ask ourselves, if you don't feel guilt about what you do, if other people think that, it might, that it's terrible, but you don't, if, if you don't feel any guilt and you, know, and you feel you've done the right thing, does that give you bad karma? I don't know. I can't answer that question for you. You have to answer that question. So uh, think about it and think about the scales of justice. Remember, Libra is the sign of the balance. This, that, mm-hmm, which way? And, uh, and of course, Gabura is the sphere of action. Firm, determined action. Before you take that action, before you enter that sphere, you should examine your own prejudices, examine your own perspective. Take that cosmic view. Imagine yourself as that as that contemplative Martian. Uh, uh, not Tar Circus, no, 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 no. And not that transplanted Johnny Reb either. You take... You take a detached view of a Martian very, very uh, out off of this world and look and say, now what is, just what is evil? What is, what, what is going to give me bad karma? And look at it that way. I hope this has given you some insight into this path. And uh, next week we will um, we'll keep going up and climbing another one. And uh, until that time, uh, don't forget to tune in next week, and good magic.